Hello, friends, and welcome to the show. This episode of HR Oxygen is brought to you by the Boss Builders. That would be us. Hey, for this year, we are really ramping up our training options. Now, post-COVID, we did a lot of virtual work. We had our Art of the Great Boss Masterclass. We had, I think, 15 or 20 different cohorts go through it, and we still have cohorts going through it today. It's a great program, one session a month for 13 months. But we also realize that audiences are ready for us to come back on the road and visit them at their house. And so we are implementing a couple of new programs. Well, they're not really new. Well, one of them actually is very new. The first one is our two-day driving results on-site management skills workshop. This involves learning how to manage people, learning about yourself, learning how to motivate, lots of exercises we do together, lots of opportunities to practice. Our second option, though, is a new hybrid option. And so what we wanted to do with this one is to establish an entire year with an organization. Three in-person, one-day on-site visits with virtual sessions in between. So in the in-person sessions, we can really work as groups. We can do some practice, some skill practice, and then we can touch base throughout the year with those individual virtual sessions. So that is our second option. We're obviously going to continue our Art of the Great Boss cohorts. But finally, you can also license and teach our curriculum. We've developed it to the point where really anybody could step in. There's a very robust train the trainer guide. I will also come on site and teach you how to teach the curriculum. So you could do it at your own time, your own pace, your own schedule. For information on all of these programs, just check us out online at thebossbuilders.com. Well, as we wind down 2023, I know that many of you are probably recalibrating. Maybe you're going to do the reboot. You're ready for 2024. You're trying to figure out some things that you should be leaving behind next year, but maybe you're thinking about practices that you can begin to implement. May I suggest forest bathing? Our guest today is Margie Bush. Margie's a good friend of us, our strategic partner for coaching. I've worked with Margie on a lot of projects, and we've had her on the podcast numerous times. She was on a few weeks ago where we talked about health and wellness, but today we're going to be visiting a topic on a technique known as forest bathing. Now, I can't do justice to the description, so I'm just going to let you listen to the podcast because she can tell you what it's about far better than I can. Having said that, I have experienced it and it actually works really, really well. So if you're thinking about implementing good practices for next year, this is the episode for you. I don't know what I'm talking about, but she does. So let's let her do the talking. You know what time it is though. Time for you to take the personal item, tuck it under the seat in front of you, and make sure that seat belt is buckled low and across your hips. Time for us to taxi to the runway. Should the cabin lose pressure, Oxygen masks will drop from the overhead area. Please place the mask over your own mouth and nose before assisting others. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast, the show focused on the overworked, overwhelmed, and underappreciated HR professional. And now, here is the host of our show, the boss builder, Mac Monroe. Margie Bush, welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here with you again. This is a real treat. You know, it's been two episodes in two weeks. I guess it's a Christmas miracle because <laughs> we're a few weeks from the holidays. So this is great. Now, when we met a couple weeks ago, we talked about health and well-being. 
This week, we're actually going to talk about something that you are involved in and something, honestly, I had never heard of before. It's something known as forest bathing. And the fact that I don't know about it tells me that it's probably pretty obscure because I tend to read a lot and it's the first time. And so when Marty explained what it was, uh, I thought, yeah, this makes sense. I got to have her on the podcast. Well, before we did that, I actually, uh, so I think my wife has made herself sort of the social media police, right? And so she'll, she says the other day, she says, uh, you post the most stupid shit. And I said, what are you talking about? Well, you had posted something on your LinkedIn about a state park somewhere. And I thought, well, are you going to do forest bathing there? Well, if you don't know what it is, you probably think, what is it? Do you take off your clothes and go skinny dipping? What in the world is forest bathing? So if you are listening and you're like, I don't know what this crazy guy's talking about. You've come to the right place because Margie is going to explain what forest bathing is. So. Margie, before we get into this, for the sake of those who maybe have never heard about you before, take a moment to tell us about yourself and what you're working on, and then let's dig into the forest bathing. Okay. So, yes. Yeah, so, you're, um, you mentioned the health and wellness coaching, and I am doing that. And as part of that, um, I discovered uh, another way to address our health and wellness, and that's through this practice of forest bathing. So, um, and you may hear it called forest therapy because my title is certified forest therapy guide. Uh, and the words are used or the terms are used interchangeably. So forest therapy or forest bathing focuses on health and wellness and the benefits uh, that we um, can achieve for our health and wellness of being in nature, especially when we could be among trees. So it can be any practice that um, gives us the ability to connect with nature. And that's through usually, uh, typically, uh, immersion into a forest setting. Though you can still get the benefits even in a suburban or an urban environment. So uh, while forest bathing is technically a form of forest therapy, Again, we can use those interchangeably, and you may hear me doing that as we go along. So what happens in that is there um, are forest therapy walks, and that's how I was trained uh, to do these walks, uh, which is synonymous with this practice of forest bathing. And the practice uh, can vary uh, among practitioners or guides. So if someone's listening, and what you experienced was a little different than what I talk about, uh, you'll probably notice that most of us will follow sort of a standard sequence of um, designing um, the way that we offer this connection of ourselves and with our participants in a natural setting. So for me as a guide, um, I do it from a place of a mindful practice of being in nature for the health and wellness uh, benefits. But I also do it um, as a, a planetary uh, well-being practice as well. And we'll talk about that a little more uh, as we go along. So two different approaches, and, and there's a reason for that. So with those um, therapeutic benefits, uh, those range from physiological things that uh, we can benefit. And I'll talk about, talk about the benefits too um, a little bit later as we go through this discussion, but also psycho-spiritual type things 
such as just that feeling of, that's a really big term, but it's that feeling of uh, being inspired and maybe when we're out in nature and Mac, I know you live on a lot of land and you take a lot of walks and, and I've heard you talk about just that feeling of being out in that and how you feel when you're out there. And if you want to use the, I don't know that you use this term, but just being moved by that feeling of being outdoors and being in a natural setting and having that sense of awe. Oh, it's, it's phenomenal. Yeah. And wonder. Yeah. I think that's, yeah. that's what it is. You, you just, especially if you're quiet, mm-hmm. and you just listen. Yes. And of course you're right. We do live on 32 acres and I don't mm-hmm. have neighbors, you know, they're about a mile away, but yeah. we don't have planes going over and horns and mm-hmm. sirens and I mean, you hear dogs occasionally in the distance, but it's amazing how loud the forest is. <laughs> when you really just tune out all the human noise, it's its its, its own environment. Oh, I love that. So back to yeah. the, the, the forest bathing, uh-huh. um, where did this come? Where did it come from? Because I had never heard about it until you had mentioned it. Is it something <laughs> that it's, is it American? Where did it get invented from? Mm. Okay, so we can discuss the history of that, of course. So the, the practice of forest therapy originated in Japan. As far as I know, it originated back in the 1980s during the technology boom. And we're all aware of that and, and what's happened since that boom. Uh, what happened in Japan is citizens uh, and people that lived there lived out in, um, in the countryside. And with this boom, uh, a lot of people left the countryside and they started moving into an urban environment. And they were indoors uh, in these uh, technology-based jobs, uh, working long hours. And what happened is um, the government started to notice uh, a decline in health um, of their, their people and a lot of stress and burnout. So it was quite a bit of a change from living out in the countryside, out in a natural environment. And like you were saying, uh, with planes going overhead and all the chaos and noise that's in um, a more urban environment. Uh, So at that same time, the Japanese Ministry of Agriculture and uh, Forestry, they became kind of aware of Uh, this whole situation that was happening as well, and research the benefits of what happened being among the trees and out in these forested areas. I don't remember the percentage, but a large percentage of Japan has forested areas. And many of those to this day are are protected for this practice of forest bathing. Um, So that there was a a term that was coined um, at that time Uh, Shinrin Yuku. And uh, what that really means is uh, a forest bath or taking in the forest atmosphere. So Shinrin is forest and Yuku means bathe. So no towels are required for this. uh, So we don't take off our clothes. I guess no nudity either then, huh? No, not not typically. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, what's happened is that sort of has made its way to the West. And it got here, I think, mostly from um, in the U.S., I should say, from writers and reporters uh, that started sharing about the practice because they were finding out about it. And as they shared it, uh, this awareness 
Uh, and I remember back, I think it was in 2012, because I left an HR position where I was stressed and burned out. We talked about that in our last um, episode together. Um, I remember reading an article in this magazine um, that, uh, and it was a very influential article of getting this movement uh, coming our way. And I can't remember the title. It was something about being in the pines or be in the, go out in the pines and call me in the warning, kind of like a prescription type of approach to an article. Um, so as it got more attention than um, a school formed here in the United States, um, and then there's a second one. And um, I attended uh, one of those schools. And so, and I think there's another one in Canada. So that's sort of the history of it and the reason uh, that uh, we have the practice today. You know, that's fascinating because it sounds like something that would be like an ancient practice. And because society is so modern, we're rediscovering the yes, ancient Yes, we're reconnecting. But the 80s. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that's the best way to look at it because you're right. I mean, Japan after World War mm -hmm. II was desolated mm -hmm. so it's completely rebuilt mm -hmm. so i guess it would stand to reason then the traditions are changing mm -hmm. and with it you know maybe the very natural ability to de-stress mm -hmm. but thankfully there's forest out there where people can do mm -hmm. that so we've talked about where it came from but what specifically like when you do it like what do you get from it i mean we know that you do it when you're stressed mm. but how does it happen yeah. when you're out there and how do you you finish do you come out and say well i'm glad i did that or <laughs> i mean do you have to go through a couple of rounds or how so so what what happens and then we're going to talk about like maybe a deeper look into okay. it. okay all right so we'll talk about yeah we should talk about what actually happens and then we could talk too about what some of those benefits are from it so what actually happens is when, when I'm uh, uh, facilitating a walk, and, and I'll use the word facilitating, uh, typically I would, um, that would sort of be arranged in an email and I would give a lot of um, uh, ex expectations. So for the purposes here, uh, we call that a wow in, in our forest bathing practices, a welcome and what to expect. And so I, if we're at a walk and we're getting ready to start, I would welcome the participants and, and just give them like a, an overview, a big picture of what to expect and um, what we're going to do, which is we're going to have a meditation and then we're going to start to walk and uh, that I'm going to offer invitations. And each one of those I'll explain. So we have the welcome and then we do a sensory awareness meditation and you've been in uh, some of my Zentangle classes because I've talked to um, mm -hmm. your clients a couple times with that. So you're sort of aware of what happens in a sensory meditation, but in a walk, it's a little more extended. And I'll I'll I'll, ta I'll actually do one of those so you can experience it, and your your listeners can if you're open to that. And um, it's brief, absolutely. But it's a it's a way to. Um, sort of move that thinking brain to a place of embodying um, more of a sense of, of being not of doing, if that makes sense. And so we kind of do that through the breath and the body and then engaging our senses. So our senses are where um, we would engage uh, such as sound 
uh, with a nature invitation. And I'll actually give you examples of those as well. So that's what happens. Um, so if you would like, um, I had a book here I wanted to read something from. Here it is. Okay. So um, what happens when I start a walk, and I don't know what all guides do. I just know the way I found through practice with, with groups what I get the best response from my participants with. So to help people ease in and to connect with the, the present moment and be in that natural setting, I usually open with a poem. And if you don't mind, I have one that's my favorite. I'd like to share that with you. Yes, please. All right. So this poem is called The Quiet Listener. Go into the woods and tell your story to the trees. They are wise, standing in their folds of silence among white crystals of rock and dying limbs. And they have time, time for swaying of leaves, the floating down, the dust. They have time for gathering and holding the earth about their feet. Do this. It is something I have learned. How they will bend down to you so softly. They will bend down to you and listen. That's beautiful. I can hardly say that without getting um, a little tightness in my throat. Uh, I have lots that I, sure. yeah. <laughs> that I choose from. I have a book that um, I usually carry with me. I collect these in quotes. So I, I'd like to just open it that way and just help people relax and just kind of, as I said, ease into the experience. And then um, I open with a sensory uh, meditation. And, you know, usually in our Zen tangle, we're sitting, but oftentimes in forest bathing, we might be standing. In fact, most of the time I'm outside and we're in a standing position. Um, so what um, I will start, um, and we call this our SAM, sensory awareness meditation, is I'll just invite, and I'm just going to do that with you now, is just to situate yourself okay. so that you feel comfortable and just settle into the space that you're in and we'll begin to awaken our senses. So then I'll invite you to uh, turn in um, your attention to your body. And uh, since usually I'm in an outdoor setting, I'm gonna be switching back and forth here just in the beginning. Um, I'll offer this two different ways. So, um, so let's turn our attention to the body. And if you feel comfortable, you may close your eyes and if you're not feeling safe where you are, then just take a soft gaze and focus on something in your surroundings. And as we tune into the body and we have our eyes closed, let's turn our attention to the breath and just breathe at a rhythm that's natural for you. There's no need to, to change your rhythm. Just relax. And then as you're breathing, notice as you inhale through the nose, you might notice the temperature of the air that you're breathing in. It could be warm. It may be cool, depending on where you are. And then you'll exhale and just notice that. Notice as the air comes out through the mouth, it may be a different temperature than as you took an inhale through your nose. Just notice the chest as it rises and falls with your breath. And just continue to breathe at that natural rhythm and tune in to your body and notice anywhere you might be feeling some tension in the body 
just naturally soften and release. Sometimes that's in the jaw, so relax the jaw, relax the shoulders. You might put a slight bend in your knees, maybe rearrange the feet, settle into the ground if you're sitting, uh, and sometimes that uh, happens in a walk. Someone may need to sit and just notice how you're supported by the earth. Just continue with your breath. Just feel that support of the earth. Continue to relax the body. Continue with the breath. Bring your hands out. Just start to notice the air around you. Notice as you did with your breath, is the air cool? Is the air warm? Just begin to notice that. And then as we engage that sense of smell, notice any subtle fragrances that might be around in your environment. Just continue with the breath and relaxing the body. And as you take one more breath, you can begin to slowly open the eyes, do that nice and slow, and just begin to focus back in on the colors and the space that you're in. Lift your gaze, continue to breathe, and then we'll come back together as a group. And usually by that point, people are feeling pretty relaxed. The heart rate slowed. Usually there's, um, it. sometimes I'll have to even wait another minute or so because people are really slowing down and relaxing the mind and body. Sometimes everyone doesn't come back at the same time. So I just wait usually for that. And then uh, what happens next is um, we begin to walk. And uh, then I offer um, what we call nature connected invitations or nature invitations. And those are going to, um, some guides will have those planned. I do not. And you know me, Mac, I'm very scheduled and planful about everything that I do. And uh, this is one time. Well, how about, well, in this instance, why is that different? It's different because in offering up a nature invitation, I, I need to get into that place of spontaneity because I have to wait and see what is the land offering. I have no idea. Even if I would go the day before, or even if I've done a walk that morning, I have no idea what is going to be offered when I go back in the afternoon. So the lighting may be different. The smells may be different. So we walk along and um, usually people, I don't usually have to ask for them to be silent. People are so relaxed. They're really in that space of in the moment and they're, they're waiting for that invitation. So I wait and uh, sometimes it, it might be a sound. So I may hear birds singing. I may hear running water uh, in the fall, like when the leaves are falling, it could be the rustling of the leaves in the tree uh, or leaves, you know, later in the fall, if they, you know, um, on the forest floor, you may notice them crunching under your feet if it's a dry day. So I sort of wait just to see um, or sight. Um, it just could be sunlight filtering through the tree canopy. So I, I wait and I engage the senses as the land offers up that. And that may seem a, seem a little weird to say, uh, yet the land will offer it if you're open to it. 
And you know this because I've heard you talk about being out in your land. And, you know, there's natural aromatherapy. We can smell Mm -hmm. the soil if it's damp, or we can smell um, the essential oils that the trees emit. And we'll talk about that when we get to the benefits. Um, But I'm waiting just to see. And typically in a walk, um, there'll be three invitations. Sometimes there could be four. The taste, I usually engage with tea, and that's at the end. Uh, And we have what we call a tea gathering. Um, I I do hear people calling it a ceremony, but Japan has a very uh, structured, um, uh, as you were saying, uh, you know, going back to some of their early traditions. So if you've ever observed a tea ceremony, and I have, it's very it's formal and it's structured and it's special to them so we call our tea um, a gathering and that's how it's safe to engage taste and uh, what happens is at the end we'll have tea together as a group and we'll offer tea first of course to the land and then we will have the tea and drink it together after each invitation there's a chance to share the experience um, and uh, Sometimes people share openly and that, you know, I need to facilitate that and be mindful of time, but also give people a voice. And then there's also time to share with the tea. Uh, One sense that people don't think about uh, is the heartfelt sense. And again, um, it's it's sort of hard to explain, but it's that feeling again uh, that we can have in our heart of appreciation for the land, uh, that feeling of inspiration and awe and uh, what we're experiencing. And I think the important thing about the um, heartfelt sense is as guides, the entire time we are in that space of facilitation, but we're modeling appreciation and gratitude, but also reciprocity. And um, through our walks. So we offer tea to the land first and, and offer an appreciation and gratitude that the land has um, allowed us to have this experience. Uh, so there are invitations too along the way, uh, if the land offers this, that I might frame one up in a way of reciprocity. Um, one of the favorite ones that I used back in the summer when I had a couple walks at a local um, or a nearby, I should say nearby um, park. Well, actually uh, it's a resort that they have um, walking paths. Is I asked people to just wonder out, or I shouldn't say ask, I invited people to wonder out and just notice a tree they were drawn to. And I have a um, sort of like a, meta- a meditation sound bowl that I would use to call people back. And I waited and waited and there were people with tears in their eyes with that. Wow. Of having that heartfelt sense of just connecting with a tree and spending time with it and seeing and what is the tree going to offer back to them? So a lot of um, what I try to do as a guide is create that sense of reciprocity uh, with nature. National Geographic, to get off topic just real quick, had a great article back in April of this year on um, population. 
And last November, uh, it was reported we had eight, um, I can't remember if it was, I think it was eight billion people on earth. And that, yeah, billion would be. Yeah. Right. So eight, eight million are just what live that's in right. Washington. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> so eight billion. So we've never had eight billion people on earth before. So um, that really was a great reminder to me about the importance of reciprocity, because I think, well, it's not, I don't think this, I know that most of the time when people um, go out in nature, it's, it's a, um, I'm not sure how, how to explain this. It's more of a um, activity. It's more of um, like, I guess, I think of it as an extraction maybe from nature um, where we tend to go out and we hike. Um, so this is sort of a strong words, but like conquering, like we want to hike the mountain and we want to say that we did. That. Right. And so I, that's so different than connecting with nature and being with nature, like being with the trail or being with the mountain. Um, so there's nothing wrong. And of course, we're going to get the benefits of being in nature. Uh, no matter what we're doing out there, it's just that if you're going to be doing it in a way of activity centered on a challenge, that's going to have its own physical health benefits. And, and that's okay. If you want to do the true practice of forest bathing, then it's more of being with nature and being connected through the senses, um, hopefully with a guide that can facilitate that for you. So your time is spent in the actual being instead of the doing. I hope that's making sense, but. It is. So you, so we have, so we have the five core human senses. Yes. And it seems like that's what gets engaged yes. on a forest bathing session. So you mentioned the the other sense. So mm -hmm. I'm thinking that wouldn't be the sixth sense because isn't the sixth sense like well they made a movie about yeah. it. But that's like the the weird thing you can't connect. Mm -hmm. So what you just it's like yours is like the seventh sense, right? I guess you could say that. It's like <laughs> your heart. Yeah, your heart is like connecting to the heart of nature. It's yes. kind of how I hear that. Is that am I off? No, on that? no. You're you're so onto it and I get I get um, sort of nervous and concerned about, you know, discussing it this way, because I don't, because I do do health and wellness coaching, and it is important to have the physical activity, but it's also important to have your, your time spent in nature in this way as well. And I feel like it's a, a kind of a responsibility as a guide to, to bridge that connection between shifting from a space of extraction from nature, taking from nature to more of a place of reciprocity. And that's so much more important now since, you know, we're, we know that we have so many people on earth, we have to start getting back to this place of how can we get people to love nature again and want to respect it and to care for it? Uh, not so much just take from it. And I, and I hope that makes makes some sense. Well, I can tell you it makes complete sense to me. Okay. I can also tell you there's probably at least one person who's saying 
this is the biggest bunch of bullshit I've ever heard in my whole life. And they probably just shut the thing off. <laughs> but you can't tell me, you can't tell me that nature isn't the one in charge. You know, so, so where we live, and I'm not going to take you too far. No, off no, but, you know, we had our prop, we had, we had our property logged about uh, five, six years ago. It was select cut. I just put my arms around a tree. If I couldn't touch my fingers, we would have it taken down so the other trees could mm -hmm. grow. But when those loggers were done, they it just ripped a scar on my land. And it's beautiful here. And man, they dragged stuff through the grass and it was torn mm -hmm. up and it just looked like hell. And I thought, wow, you know, but, you know, five, six years later, and you only notice it when the leaves come down because it's so thick. Like the land is healed. Mm -hmm. You know, those branches they didn't take off, those have broken down mm -hmm. and the trees that are standing have gotten thicker so it's resilient. Mm -hmm. And and I really think you're if we go to conquer nature, let me tell you something. Nature always wins. <laughs> nature never loses. And you might think, well, we have it on the ropes now with all of our pollution and that. oh no, we don't. The earth, let me tell you what the earth is doing right mm. now. Now you've never done this, Marty. I am not proud of it, but I have. We ever been out drinking so much that you just know you will be throwing up. It's just a matter of when it's gonna happen, right? <laughs> That's what the earth is doing. Yeah. It, it's getting ready to throw up all of us out off of it is what I'm thinking. Now, again, I'm on the fringes of beliefs, I guess. But that tells me, and I was looking at this website the other day, and mm -hmm. it was pictures of, of human structures that have been abandoned and nature's taken over. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. So I believe there's power. And I also believe that there's healing. And this sounds like the perfect place to take your soul to the doctor, Dr. Tree, I guess, right? <laughs> oh, gosh, you're so right. You're so right. And uh, <laughs> I love that. I was trying to think of this quote that when you said that, and I can't remember, it's, um, oh, it's from somebody else who's, who's famous, uh, Robin Wall Kimmer. And she said something about the relationship between ourself and the world is reciprocal. It was something like that. And it's not a question of, I can't remember that part, but it's, it's, it was ending with something about as we work to heal the earth, the earth will heal us. And I do remember that as the end. I don't remember kind of the middle part of the quote, but um, yeah, she's in charge. <laughs> so um yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know you probably weren't expecting that part of this at all, but um, it's so important to me because I hear and I read and I see on social media um, a lot about that. I'm here to get from point A to point B and I'm here to conquer this trail. And again, that's OK. And you're get you're going to get health benefits because you're going to get your heart rate up, which is good because our heart's a muscle and we need to exercise it, and all of that's good. It, it's just that there is another way to be with nature um, that has science-based research behind it. So many studies. I have a three-inch binder of studies that I've been reading through um, of just studies that have done have been done on the benefits of, uh, and we can get to some of those too, of the benefits of being in this way of, of the practice of forest bathing and being in nature. And maybe one thing that hasn't been said, at least in this episode, mm -hmm. is that, you know, people might say, well, there's Mac, what do you have some 
fringe artist on his program <laughs> talking about walking in the forest. No, Margie, by training, you are a nurse and you come from a family of physicians. Yes. So this is not, if you would come from an art commune, I'd be like, all right, now, come <laughs> on. No, you come from the rational side of it. And you're talking about this as if it's almost like some kind of medication that we've never really known about it. And suddenly we're able to go take it, but it makes sense. So much of our healing comes from nature, our, you know, pharmaceuticals at their core, mm -hmm. many of them. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, all those things, like why wouldn't the answers be there? And yet we're hell bent on just destroying it, you know? So that, well, that's just humans for you, yeah. you know? Well, I watched that, the old movie, Planet of the Apes. Remember the old one with Charlton Heston? Yes. And, and at the very end where he realizes that he's been on earth the whole time, we just completely destroyed it. Mm. That, see, nature wins, mm -hmm. right? Nature wins. The old Statue of Liberty is half buried in the sand. Humans are basically mute and apes run the planet and nature wins. Mm. So I think we're just tapping into a lot of power here, which <laughs> I think, you know, I think we all need it. I, uh, physically, I'm probably the healthiest I've been in a long time, but like emotionally, yeah, I could use some forest bathing because there's an inside part of you that just doesn't always connect when the body's getting healthy. Mm -hmm. So uh, I like this. And I guess this isn't like we have to get a prescription to go out and do it, right? No, no, <laughs> no, you don't. But I will tell you, um, in other countries, uh, doctors are actually writing prescriptions on a prescription pad to get out in nature. Yes, I've been thinking of having our uh, graphic designer that we share, uh, Selena, create yes. for me uh, a little. Wouldn't that be great? Sort of a, you know, <laughs> just a thing to, um, I, I, I don't know, just use for marketing maybe. But, um, but yes, they are. Um, so. But I think that says the right thing, though, doesn't it? It's yeah. a prescription yeah. to heal you. Yes. So why wouldn't it? be a prescription yes. you know we write prescriptions for everyone else, <laughs> yeah so um so yeah well, so let's talk about some of those so so the benefits of course here's the one like everybody probably is aware of just getting outdoors um we can get that that benefit of vitamin d production right through our skin and we know that mm -hmm. one uh we can get those mood things like the awe and the wonder and the inspiration but some real uh, science-based uh, that I've read in the studies that I think people might not be thinking of or be aware of are um, reducing stress um, is a big one. So just when I walked you through the sensory meditation, I was a little nervous because I didn't tell you I was going to do that. And yet um, reducing stress, so getting that body to, to slow down, getting that mind to slow down. And uh, plenty of studies about the stress reduction um, that also that deactivating the sympathetic nervous system, which you and I talk to people about that fight or flight. So it deactivates that and activates the parasympathetic um, nervous system. And, and you and I have talked to people about that as well. So we get the stress reduction, uh, reduced inflammation. Uh, improves our mood. Um, there are mental health benefits for anxiety. Uh, and um, so concentration, 
uh, increases creativity. And I know uh, you get your best ideas because I've heard you share them on your podcast. You get them when you go for a walk mm-hmm. and, and you talk about yes all the time and spiritual well-being, not, and not from a religious sense, but just that spiritual feeling of being out and getting that sense of awe. I'm reading a whole book on awe. In fact, I'm kind of, I got halfway through it and decided I got to start over because I feel like (laughs) I need to just read this one more time uh, before I go forward. Is it it awesome or awful? (laughs) It's awesome. (laughs) I'm going to send you this book. It, it, It made me think about awe in a whole different way and the ways that we don't often think about. Uh, We have those moments, but we don't really think about them in the way that this author is presented. But um, the biggest one um, that I want to mention too is boost uh, in the immunity system. So um, in boosting the immune system, there, there's a, um, we'll just, we'll call it like an essential oil, but there's this organic compound that trees release. And you'll know it as I describe it, because it's what we smell, especially with those pines and cedars. Uh, uh, And sometimes the Douglas fir, these types of evergreens, and you know, that pine scent that you smell. So that compound is called a phytoncide. And a phytoncide just means um, plant killer. So phytoncides are part of a tree's immune system, and they protect the tree. They emit these compounds. All trees admit them. It's just the pines um, and cedars, and uh, it's the Douglas fir. They have the highest concentration of it. But oaks um, can any most plants emit some phyte, some level of this. Um, but it it's admitted to help protect them from pest disease, pest disease and pathogens but the phytoncides can protect us as well. And that's the one study I did pass along to my husband to read because he is a doctor and very skeptical about new things. And if I can win him over, and he, he did know it was a legitimate study because uh, he knows how to read those better than me. But what happens is when we're in a forest setting, and again, you don't have to be in a forest. You don't have to go to a country some and spend a lot of money is just any tree is going to be beneficial. Uh, you typically find the pines and cedars in, in a forest setting, but you can probably walk in your neighborhood. I have pine trees in my yard, different types of evergreens. Um, but what happens is, uh, and this is really important to understand, is that it boosts our immune, immune system because um, it increases the number of, and I know you're going to laugh, but but, um, the natural killer cells in our body. So what happens is by increasing the number of those, and those are a type of white blood cell uh, called natural killer cells. We call them NK cells. Uh, But these, um, the boost in this, uh, these cells, uh, those cells are made to kill like tumor and virus uh, virus infected cells uh, in our bodies. So it's it's a natural thing that we have. But when we're breathing in that phytoncides, it actually boosts their activity. And um, one study I read says that spending three days and two nights on a true actual forest bathing trip 
can last up to 30 days uh, for you as a boost in your wow. system. So even 20 minutes is going to give you something. Uh, the longer you're out in nature, the better uh, benefit that you're going to have. Um, so I read several studies on this, but phytoncides are not only is it boosting these natural killer cells, but it also is it, it also reduces the stress hormone cortisol. Um, and we know you and I have talked people a lot about cortisol and the release of that and what happens, especially in the long term, it can be harmful to our health. So uh, the longer, again, you're in the forest, the greater um, immune boost to your system that you're going to have and longer the effects are going to last. So um, let's see, what else did I want to say about that? Oh, the soil as well. Well, let's, let's go back to- Yeah, the, go ahead. Well, let's go back to the, the trees. So we don't, I don't have pine. Mm -hmm. I have several cedars yeah. and I have tons of oak and okay. hickory. So those drop their leaves. The cedars themselves, I guess, I mean, so, and you said there is the, the phytoncides mm -hmm. are on the oaks as mm -hmm. well. I mean, so for an evergreen, I would suspect they would do it year yes. round, like constantly, but with a, with a tree that loses its leaves, would I have to wait for like spring, summer, early fall to do it? Or does it still get released even when the leaves are down? Because I'm looking out my window now and everything is mm -hmm. down except for my two cedars I can see from my office window. You're, the trees are always going. So do I have to wait? Do I have to wait to spring? No, I'm going to say no. That's what I wanted to know. Is it, is it, did they need the leaves on it no. or could it come out? No. Um, you and, and, you know, I do some types of virtual walks as well. Even sitting with plants in the home, you're still going there. There's still a release because they're all releasing this for their own immune system in some way to, to fight off bugs, pests. Um, so they're always releasing it. It's just that the, the cedars mm -hmm. and the pines and the Douglas fir are going to have the greatest uh, level, I guess, of release because you're, you're smelling it. Um, when I did a talk, um, um, to some people in Canaan uh, Valley, which is another, it's a ski resort. It's a year round resort. I shouldn't say just ski, but, um, I did it during ski season. So even there are herbs that actually, I took rosemary for them, uh, because we had to be indoors, uh, for the talk, but, uh, cinnamon, coriander, rosemary, sage, they're uh, also phytoncides. Uh, you can still get some benefit. I like rosemary because you can really smell it. Um, and people tend to, they mm -hmm. all wanted to take their sprigs. I took a lot of rosemary for the talk and shared it with them um, so uh, they could sit with that. The entire time I did my talk, the room smelled wonderful. So I uh, I bet it did. Yeah. I read too that some produce uh, also, um, this is not something I want to sit around and smell, but we cook with it. Uh, and, and most holy dishes do start with garlic and onion. So I haven't confirmed this, but I have read it from a couple reliable sources that there is some phytoncide release in onions and garlic as well. Um, what about if, uh, what about, 
what about essential oils that you buy? Like if I bought eucalyptus or yeah. um, I don't know, there, I, you're the one that kind of introduced me to essential oils. Is there a difference in those? I mean, could we replicate it? Because I end up sleeping with mine at night, usually with jasmine or something else. I mean, I'm, I'm glad you said that because, hang on just a second. I'm in my office. So I have um, the Hinoki. Um, there is a Hinoki uh, essential oil that I get from a place. And I don't, I'll, I'll tell you offline. I don't want to promote anything without their permission. But mm-hmm. Hinoki um, is um, a tree in Japan. And a lot of their, um, they're like spiritual uh, places of uh, spiritual worship uh, are built with this Hinoki wood. So Hinoki is the essential oil that I burn, uh, burn, not burn, but emit in my office. Uh, and okay. that's the one that I know um, uh, the best. I'm pretty sure you can get cedar and I might even have cedar. I also have Douglas fir. So oh, okay. I didn't realize they made that many. That's great. So I guess yeah, that's I'll, a I'll that's that. sort of that's not ideal, but I guess it could help though, right? Oh yes, yes, definitely. Uh, and cypress, I have cypress oil uh, as well. I I change them up. Hinoki's kind of expensive. Um, the bottle I get's only like two and a half uh, milliliters, but. Um, I can't remember what it's, it's a little bit expensive, but I know from reading studies out of Japan that that is a healthy oil to admit. Uh, So, yes, you know, again, I keep, you know, it is forest bathing. I know that there are studies that you can view nature. You can look out your window. You can still, even you, I've given you ideas for invitations it's best to have a guide, but you could do this for yourself. You can just say and notice. Uh, you can open your window. On a virtual walk, I invite people to open the window. And what are you hearing? Oh, you know, so that's that's possible if you can't get outside. I'm actually doing this virtually for um, through our uh, West Virginia University has a um, Uh, Usher Lifelong Learning Institution. And I think it's mostly geared for um, people as they're aging and retiring. So for them, I'm doing two virtual walks uh, in February. So here in West Virginia, who knows? Uh, And with the population of, you know, or the demographic of this, uh, who probably will be in my audience, um, I don't want to exclude anyone. So I'm doing it virtually. And uh, they can... They don't even have to be able to walk outside. I will invite them if they can to walk out in their backyard. So you don't have to like go to a forest. You can go in your backyard. You can sit with your plants is the point. You can walk in your neighborhood. It's really relaxing the mind and body and engaging what senses you can to whatever's being offered to you. It's like really, you know, when I walk, I've noticed a heart uh, in the pavement on or the of the street. And had I not been, if I had been on my phone or listening to a book, I can't say that I would have noticed this heart shape right in the pavement where the pavement had maybe from salt, I don't know, kind of broken up and apart, but there was an actual heart shape um, in, in the pavement. So it's just noticing 
and just engaging one of those senses and really thinking about the heartfelt sense as well. Yeah, I guess I look at all this and and I think, you know, how could you not do this to help yourself? I guess my only thought is if somebody's listening right now, I mean, are they going to say, well, I mean, is this like running? Do I have to go out and do it for an hour every day or is this this... So, I mean, what would it look like as a practice for somebody who really wanted to make this a regular part? Is this daily, weekly? What would you recommend? I would recommend start where you are. And whatever it is you can do, if it's 10 minutes, that's 10 minutes you wouldn't have had otherwise. There, there are plenty of studies that say 20 minutes a day is a benefit. 10 minutes a day. I, so I will invite you and your listeners just start where you are and what you can do. And I do that with anything in health and wellness. Where are you now and what's possible or how can you just nudge toward this? Ideally, would I like to see you be out there for an hour or two hours? Yes, I would. Yet that may not be possible. So any anything that you can do, uh, watering your plants and just sitting there a few minutes with them, um, is going to give you a benefit because really, as I said before, nearly all plants will emit the phytoncides in some capacity. So any time that you're going to be engaging in this in any way for any length of time, you're going to get some benefit. It's just the longer you do it, the greater your benefit. Well, the last question I have for you then, Margie, is if somebody's listening today and they say, you know what, I would love to do this. I don't know where to get started, but Margie keeps mentioning the virtual walks. Margie, what's the best way for us to find you and schedule time to either ask more questions about the forest bathing or maybe even schedule a session? What's the best way to reach you? Sure. They can reach me by email, Margie, M-A-R-G-I, at wisdomtreecoaching.com. That's the best way to reach me. Um, And I'll get back with you in the email and we and see what we can schedule. If you're in West Virginia and you know about Ollie, which is that um, uh, OSHA learning, um, lifelong learning institution, you can try to get in on my walk. Uh, Those two are virtual and they're in February. That's another way if you're here, um, you can take part in it, get a feel for the experience, or we can uh, do it virtually and see what a few minutes of it can do for you. I'm not very good about this part, Mac. <laughs> no, well, that's that's okay, because the part that you're good at is the part we need more than anything, and that's to facilitate <laughs> this so that we can heal. Yeah. So that's yes. exactly what we need. So for yeah. those of you who are listening and are thinking, this is what I want to do, uh, please reach out to Margie. So Margie, I'm going to have you on again, probably lots of times, because you're doing so many different things than when I first met you, what, six, seven years ago. Uh, But so much of what you're doing is now almost of a healing nature. You know, we talked about Mm -hmm. the health and wellness and well-being. And then I've had you doing the Zentangles with our inner circle group. And you're doing that at the Cancer Center. And you have this now. So Mm -hmm. it's amazing that you started your career healing humans. And you are continuing that now (laughs) with healing, but in a different way. And you don't get to wear the the big white shoes and the white hat, but Yeah, thank you. I've noticed uh, being in healthcare lately that not anyone's wearing those white hats or we call them caps. 
with your little nursing school pins in them and the pin on your chest and white polish shoes. Mm. That's uh, that's yeah, yeah. I guess those are the old days, huh? Those are the old days. Now it's tennis shoes and scrubs, and which is fine. Yeah, and scrubs, um, and then you see yeah. them at the grocery store with their scrubs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I, I hear you. Well, at any rate, uh, I am so glad to see you healing at this level. So, Margie, thanks for being with us today. And if you're listening, please reach out. You can reach Margie at Margie M A R G I at WisdomTreeCoaching.com or check out her website at WisdomTreeCoaching.com. And go back through the archives of HR Oxygen. We've had several episodes with Margie if you want to hear from her. Uh, she's one of our favorite people. Margie, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Mac. I really appreciate the time. Well, thanks for taking the time to listen to another episode of the HR Oxygen podcast. I hope you enjoy listening to these as much as I enjoy making them. I've learned so much from the guests we've had on the show over the past few years and I hope that you will continue to listen to us regularly. If you are a subscriber on any podcast app or channel, would you do us a favor and take a moment and leave us a review? We would really, really appreciate it. Also, if you have the time, check out all the offerings we have on our website, which is thebossbuilders.com. We have every other month a Sherm Credit webinar that we present, as well as a ton of other events, not to mention our Art of the Great Boss and Art of Being a Great Teammate programs, more information on that site today. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen, and we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Oh, by the way, you may want to unbuckle that seatbelt. I think we just arrived at the gate. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast. We hope you found something today that will relieve your stress, feed your soul, and pump you up to face another day. At Boss Builders, we want to let you know that we appreciate the hard work you do every day as an HR professional. And as a reminder, always make sure to adjust your own oxygen mask before attempting to help those around you. Be well.